my uh, ritual from probably August to uh, November is I kind of review my sermon and go over it Saturday mornings and a little bit on Sunday afternoon uh, while I kind of uh, have college game day in the background. Uh, so if you're not a sports fan, uh, just stick with it today. Uh, because this is college rivalry week. I mean, who won the Oak and Bucket game? Well, there you go. Yeah, must have been IU. Uh, you know, we all have our favorite teams, whether it be the Colts or the Bengals or the Bears or the Broncos. You may have your favorite college team, whether it be IU or Purdue or Notre Dame. Took it on the chin last night. Uh, Alabama for my son-in-law, Ohio State. And you may have your favorite high school football team. I know the Golden Bears, and, uh, and we also have the Triton Tigers in the county. And for the Glovers, sorry for yesterday with Fort Wayne Snyder, but uh, New Pal Dragons that lost in the 5A championship. And if you support those teams, you're, you're considered a fan. And if you think about it, there's a lot of similarities between football and sports and church. In fact... Uh, what is the largest church attendance in the United States of America? Well, I know that a lot of us uh, support North Point in Atlanta, which is Andy Stanley's church, who puts on big stuff. They average about 36,000 a Sunday. Bill Hybels up in Chicago runs about 25,000. Rick Warren, uh, Purpose Driven Life, his church, Saddleback, out in California, runs about 20,000. Uh, in Louisville, we have Southeast Christian that runs about 21,000 with Dave Stone. But let me show you two of the largest churches in Indiana. Let me show you one here. Uh, anybody know where that is? That's Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Newt Rockney Stadium there, and it, it only seats about 83,000. I don't think there's any church with a bigger attendance of that. Here's another church that's pretty full on Sunday mornings. Anybody recognize that church? Huh? That's uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. It holds about 65,000 plus. Because we can basically define church as a place where you gather to worship. And if you think about sports, you know, people come to church this church to worship, but if you think about if the weather is a factor, there's people that don't show up. If it's raining or snowing, but I'll bet you, go back to the Notre Dame Dome, or stadium here, I'll bet you rain or shine, snow or whatever, they're there for that game, whether conditions or not. You know, I sat through a New Pal Columbus East game last year that it was awful cold, and uh, I've sat through my kids' soccer games and my grandkids' soccer games in early spring and late fall, and it didn't deter attendance there. So if you define it as a place to gather, you know, there's, this is a place that the weather doesn't inhibit people. And the crowds are, are basically full to capacity. As you see, 83,000-plus people here. And, and they don't go to the game saying, I'm not going to go to that game because it's too crowded there. Uh, they attend the game anyway, and you don't hear them say, well, there's too many strangers and new people out there. They go to the games anyway. And the fans attending these games, they will drive for miles around and sit in traffic for hours and have to park long distances far from the stadium, and they enjoy it. 
And if you think about these kind of like a church, they also have energetic and exciting pastors. If you just think about it a little bit, look up here at this group. You have Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Uh, he's an exciting man. At the Colts, you have Pagano, exciting man. And we also have a pretty good-sized church in our community, too, if you think about it. I bet on Friday nights you'll find 1,000 to 1,500 people at Shelbyville football game, and probably the same is true at Triton. And also at these events, think about it. You have to give. There is an offering taken. Even before you get in the gate, you are supporting it. And think about it. You aren't supporting something till you give to it. And, and, and folks, your attendance doesn't mean that you're supporting. Where at these events, people give money even before they get in. And, and they don't stand at the gate and say, well, I think these people, they're only after my money. No, they go there and they know it's going to hit their wallet. If you think about it, you go there and you sit and watch the Colts play and you end up getting a drink for what? How much is a drink up there, Mike Monte? Seven bucks? Eight bucks? Yeah, this may be a $10 collection. It's got Trent Richardson on it in honor of my son-in-law from Alabama who's long gone. And what does the stadium pay for these? Maybe five cents. Uh, and for a lot of us, I know that we do enough of that, that that we can have the cups become basically what fills up our uh, dining room uh, entertainment set. We all have cups sitting everywhere. It becomes our household glasses. And the other thing is you even people have people that pay extra that try to get a parking spot close to the building and they'll spend a small fortune to not only park there but to do something called tailgating where they'll sit around and they'll have food and drinks and even have a satellite dish up so they can watch college game day before the, the football game even begins. And what we see here is these stadiums, you know, when you go in there, there is real worship going on those people know how to celebrate they have their hands in the air you know they have the uh, have the touchdown Jesus at the end and they're screaming when their team scores and they're excited about it in fact they worship better than any church because they're full of passion and they're full of purpose and they're full of meaning and the louder the crowd the better the team plays on the field the teams feed off the crowd. And no one has to say, I'm not going back to that stadium because it was too loud or because they were too excited. And now I'm not lowering the boom on football fans because I love football and I love sports. But what I want to talk about is why I love church more than football or sports. I'm not saying you can't love your favorite football team, but I am saying you ought to love your church more. And see, we need a vision for our lives that is bigger than our favorite football team or sports team. And today, as we continue in the Believe series, we're looking at a biblical community. And the biblical community, that's what we were 
created for, that Christian community, because a believer can accomplish God's purpose for their life when they're in the church. And the other believers can accomplish God's purpose for their life within the church. See, we are told in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. And our memory verse for today that you heard Rob read said, and all the believers were gathered together and had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. What this passage reminds us is that fellowship with other believers is what keeps us in that strong relationship with God. And fellowship with other believers keeps your relationship with other believers strong. Everything the believer, the Christian does should be through the church finding God's will for their life. That's why Ephesians 3.10, Paul tells us his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's not just for the few born and raised in the church and God bless the people that have never known anything but church. They've been raised there. Uh, they've been baptized there. They continue to go there and bring their families there. But he's saying here rather that it should be known to everyone. That means even the people outside these walls that don't know about Jesus Christ. <coughs> See, the church is a special place. A place where people far from the Lord can meet Jesus Christ. See, the church's story is the story of changed lives. Starting with looking at the writer of, of Ephesians, Paul, and his road to Damascus experience where he met Jesus in that bright light. The church is about changed lives. And that's what Jesus Christ uses the church, which is each and every one of us for. See, the local church has the power and the potential and so Jesus calls the church, and Jesus calls us to make a difference. It says in Ephesians 3, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. See, the church isn't just to be tolerated. The church is to be celebrated. And the church is here for all people that don't know. Even those who aren't Christians or aren't involved in the church. See, they can discover God's purpose and plan for them. That Jesus Christ died on a cross for them. And through the church, we have got to get the message out. See, the church is God's idea. The church is God's plan. The church is what God uses to carry out 
his plan for this world. And the church is God's plan for, for redeeming the world. And we as Christians should have confidence to love our church more than we love our favorite sports team. And those of us in the church, we have a message that Jesus Christ has plans for his followers that are greater than anything they could imagine for their own life. Did you hear me? We have a message that Jesus Christ has plans for his followers, you and me, that are greater than anything we could imagine for our own lives. And you may say, I have big dreams, and I'm telling you, no, God has big dreams. And God has more in store for you than you could ever imagine. God wants more from you. God wants more for your life. God wants more for your marriage. God wants more for your relationships. God wants more for your future. God wants more for you. God wants more for his church. That's why Ephesians 3.21 continues to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. So how can God get the glory in the church when the people of the church are silent about the church? See, God didn't call us to be silent. And how does God get glory in the church? Well, I believe God gets glory in the church every time there's a life changed. Every time there's a marriage saved. Every time there is a person released and rescued from addiction. Every time there is a baptism and a salvation. And that's why we celebrate baptisms here in this church. And we clap when those people come out of the water as we see family members come up and light the candle. God gets the glory in those moments. So that's what the church is. It's, it's a biblical community. And church is a place of healing. And, and if you're a football fan or a sports fan, losses hurt, don't they? You know, Shelbyville's lost to East Central or New Pal to Fort Wayne Snyder yesterday. I remember being in Iraq and so excited to watch the Colts play to the New Orleans Saints for the Super Bowl in 2010, even leading at halftime, and then to watch them just get destroyed. It was, it was, it was a hurt. And if your team's loss hurts so bad it affects you spiritually, which it didn't me, it wasn't hurt that bad, but then maybe your football team or your sports team has become an idol, has become your God. And that may be why your life is disappointing. But if you are a true football fan and losses hurt, the reason they hurt is, is that we get so emotionally invested in the team. And we see people get financially invested in the team. So when they lose, it hurts. But do you know what? Every Sunday, we have hurting people in this building because they have had a loss in their life. Their loss is different from a football loss. It's a divorce that they didn't see coming. It, it's, a, it's a firing or a job loss. 
It stings when you don't know it's coming. Or it may be an addiction that's got them enslaved that they can't break out of or, or the past is just haunting them. And that hurts and that is real hurt. Hurt that is deep. Hurt people are seeking relief from. And that's why you should love your church. Because it's where Jesus Christ is preached. And hurt people can come to be healed. And then your hurt doesn't have to define you. Those hurting people discover that the healing of Jesus Christ can redefine you. If you just give him your hurt. Now you can't get healed after a football game. You may escape for a short while. And in church, one of the exciting things about Sunday morning and the message of the church is we have seen marriages healed. We've seen relationships restored. We've seen addictions overcome. And that is why the church is the church where hurting people can show up and Jesus can heal them and make them brand new. And don't think the church is only for people with no problems either. Don't think that the church is for people who are perfect and have it all together. Because as we heard last week from the sermon, starting with the staff down, none of us have it all together. But in a biblical community, in the church, you can find hope. See, in sports, people always seem to have hope. And if it's not there, then one play, one play can bring a team from the ashes of defeat to the hope of victory. Now, I'm doing this in honor of my son-in-law. I had him on suicide watch after this event. But uh, a couple of years ago, his team, Alabama, was ranked number one in the nation and playing Auburn at Auburn, ranked fourth, and they were going for the game-winning field goal that would have sent them to the national title game. And everything changed in one play. Steve? Seven yards. Remember, a blocked kick to go the other way, too. He's got to be careful and get it up. On the way. No, returned by Chris Davis. Davis goes left. Davis gets a block. Davis has another block. Chris Davis. No flags. Touchdown. Auburn. An answered prayer. Everything changed with one play. And you may be saying, what in the world has this got to do with church? Hope changed for all the world and all of humanity in one play. And that was the empty tomb. With Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection... And now for people with no hope in the world that they felt like it was 4th and 25 and there was no chance of winning, it all changed in one play. Hope appeared because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Circumstances and events could not hold Jesus Christ back. 
And circumstances and events cannot hold you back either. Because Jesus Christ conquered death, he rules, he reigns, and in him we win. See, God called his church. God called his people to make a difference. And the church has a message to take to the world that the best is yet to come. And the church, think about it, the church is a movement that has a message of change. And we keep inviting because the church has that message of change. See, the biggest event of our week should not be the game we're planning on going to on Saturday or Sunday. The biggest event of our week ought to be church. Because the church is a movement. And if we participate in that movement, it's not just Jesus the Lord of Sundays. It's Jesus the Lord of Monday through Saturday and Sunday. And let's come to church no matter what the weather. And even if we think it's too crowded, and even if we worry about parking, and, and we're worried about the offering and the church asking for my, my money, come early, tailgate here in the lobby with the snacks and the coffee and get to know people. Celebrate when you're here. Worship with passion and purpose. See, we were created to worship God in a biblical community. And we find our purpose for life in Jesus Christ and his church. It happens, change and hope, just as Ephesians 3.10 says, is found through the church. The church is about changed lives. God brings dreams into our life. Folks, the game is never over as long as you are breathing. There is always hope. And remember that Jesus Christ can overcome anything. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for this Christmas season we're moving into. We just pray that we can be people who understand the gift given to us, but also willing to share it with those around us. We thank you for such a wonderful biblical community that we have here at Mount Pisgah. So many people come here with the right hearts and the right minds. And now we just pray that we invite more people to come and be a part of this which we know and love as our church. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.